check, check. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ice Age Podcast Reads. Season 1. Still continuing. Adam and Eve Story, The History of Cataclysms by Jan Thomas. I am reading this off of the archive.org, Internet Archive. And um, there are more than likely some errors in this particular copy, and I haven't read this chapter yet, so this is going to be my first pass through it as well, and if there are any errors, you're more than likely going to notice them. I'll do my best to correct the pronunciation as best I can, and also pronounce the things as best I can when I come across them. Today's chapter is called Evolution, and uh, with that, let's begin. If ever there were a controversy in the world of science, it is in the subject of evolution. Even the name creates angry reaction in some scientists when it's called the theory of evolution. In each and every field of science, there is a strong standard of procedure known as the scientific process. It is the one standard procedure common to all sciences wherein research is necessary to establish a scientific law. These stages constitute a scientific order of procedure utilized to establish that scientific law. Let's take a totally unrelated field to that of this book as an example, ESP, or Extrasensory Perception. For years, scientists evaded this field of research in fear of besmirching their scientific escutions. There's one of those words. Others took up the cudgel, spending years of effort in experimental research trying to prove or disprove whether such a phenomenon exists. Not one of them formed a hypothesis to try to lay down how it works, if it works. All they did was to formulate tests to be performed to indicate that the phenomenon did or did not exist, that a hypothesis does not make. Forming a hypothesis is the first step in the scientific process. I put together a hypothesis formulating how the communication system worked, utilizing the known forces of nature, plus a means for testing the hypothesis to determine whether it was valid. It worked in spades. It worked with everyone on whom we tried the test, man, woman, adult, and child, and I'm speaking of quantitative testing here, with 100% success in every case. The scientific process requires progressing from hypothesis to theory, the law. Having proven my hypothesis, that meant there, there now existed a valid theory concerning ESP. The next step to determine whether the theory is a law was to determine the predictability of ESP based on testing the theory to its predictability. This is an extremely difficult factor to test in the field of human experience because human events are not immutable. If you feel that an event is going to happen to you which to you which you do not want to happen, if you feel that an event is going to happen to you which you do not want to happen, you can change the circumstances to prevent its happening. Then how could you prove that it would have happened if you had not changed circumstances? If you had not changed circumstances and it did happen, how could you prove that you knew it was going to happen? Predictability was extremely difficult as a test. I won't go into the complex details, but we 
were able to prove predictability under controlled circumstances. That meant that we definitely had a firm law in our hands. I took that law and formulated a course that could be taught. UCLA welcomed my course into their experimental college where I taught it to 140 students with extreme success for four quarters. Those 140 students were 140 new students each quarter for, for four quarters, making it 560 students that I had taught. I entered this task with a haunting doubt in my mind as to whether I could teach students how to perform ESP in large groups, even in subgroups, doing their own testing in 20 groups of 7 each. I was amazed to find that there was no communication interference between groups. Each group was independently performing its own communications. It was a further test of predictability, even though I had serious doubts as to whether it would succeed. I had previously taught ESP only one-on-one. -on -one. The law was strengthened. By the way, the course was very popular with a long waiting list, I was told by the administrator. By all scientific measurements, the theory of evolution is but a rank, raw hypothesis based on two counts. Let's look at those counts. First, it is assumed that evolution of the species is a gradual process of improvement. If so, why do we see, as universal, the gradual degradation of the species? Why does performance of the pancreas diminish on a percentage basis as the years go by? Why has diabetes become so prevalent in just three to four generations? Why have intelligence levels lowered so markedly? Why has the percentage of students not wanting to learn increased so markedly? Why has crime increased and empathy decreased so markedly? Is that improvement? Why has teeth structure so deteriorated in so many places of the world? Why is it that so few have natural resistance to tooth decay? Why is it that so many have no resistance to tooth decay? military and scientific curiosity established a research program involving those in the military who had absolute resistance to tooth decay. There were not many who qualified to participate in that program. Why? Nobody knows. Those running the tests and analysis never did find out how and why those who were immune were immune. Gradual improvement of the species cannot be measured by bone structure alone combined with assumptions. We're surrounded by gradual degradation. The second point is that nowhere do we find any analysis of evolution by mutation. Mutation is a sudden change, usually from one generation to the next, sometimes extensive changes sufficient to completely hide the preceding generation, sometimes small enough to allow a reasonable analysis. Let's look at how this comes about. During a cataclysm, the turbulence surrounding our planet is sufficient to completely disrupt the high altitude structures which shields the Earth from the deadly cosmic rays. Very few cosmic rays normally penetrate that shield. During cataclysm, when the shield is totally broken up, cosmic rays gain complete access to the Earth, bombarding it in plethora. Of the very, very few who survive, some have been struck by cosmic rays, some have not. It is impossible to determine the ratio. A side note, this reminds me of a book called uh, Magnetic Reversals and Evolutionary Leaps. Uh, that would be a good one to read sometime uh, here as well, but you can find it online too if your friend Google uh, can just find it for you. 
George Cuvier was the first to study fossil bones in light of the environment in which they were found. Some were found in one sedimentary strata, some in another, and some in another, and so on and so on. He was also the, the discoverer of the relative structure of bones of different species, and the definition of an entire skeleton based on comparative anatomy, which he himself had discovered and established. What a pioneer. He could be given a piece of bone or a tooth and tell you exactly what species it belonged to. Cuvier noted that the species found in one strata seemed to be totally wiped out suddenly by the deposit of the strata in which they were found, and the next upper strata would, would contain a new species with no antecedents whatsoever. Without realizing it, he had discovered the mutations of species caused by cataclysms. Other species, including humans, which and who had their gonads bombarded by cosmic rays, had a genetic change wrought in the sperm or eggs they were carrying and or in the present parents' parent cells in their gonads. Consequently, a random result occurred. Their offspring varied randomly in the degree of mutation, but nevertheless, mutation was universal in the offspring of parents, one or both of whom had had their eggs and their sperms bombarded by cosmic rays. The offspring resulting from mutated parent cells was and is totally unpredictable. If we utilize the modern mathematical science of applied mathematics, it tells us that it is impossible to have upgrading species through mutation. It is equally impossible to have an even crossover in quality from normal parents to mutated offspring. The sure bet is that mutational offspring represent the most sudden degradation of the genes to varying random degrees. If we again use applied mathematics, the science tells us that it is utterly impossible that the human being is a result of millions, perhaps billions of years of upgrading evolution from a single cell. It has to be that the human being is a result of a design and resulting production of two variations of that design, male and female. You can name any source as the creator of that design and producer of the first models, male and female. If you were to ask me, I could tell you the exact steps which had to be undertaken to produce the living products. I could tell you how the design produced both male and female, a product of sheer genius. Do you know that there, we are that close to being able to create male and female ourselves? Someday I'll probably be writing and making speeches about it. On page 24, I stated, quote, nowhere do we find any analysis of evolution by mutation, end quote. This is not exact. Anthropologists are now finding that certain species of birds are descendants of dinosaurs. True, it is a startling revelation of the veracity of mutational discordance, as that relationship could not have been through gradual evolution, be it upgrading, which is impossible, or downgrading. Proof that man and women are the closest we have to the original design after untold thousands of years of cataclysm and mutations is through his abstract functions, plus a few concrete functions. Speech and the capability of learning and in maintaining an extensive vocabulary are good examples of concrete functions. Abstract functions include three-dimensional visualization, inductive reasoning, deductive reasoning, and analytical reasoning. And of course, we must include empathy. Even some species of humans are totally lacking in empathy. In any case, humans have unique and more complete brains than any other species. Remember, that especially in the years preceding and following a cataclysm, those without empathy turn criminal first. If there is any doubt in your mind about that, just read the newspapers, watch TV news, watch TV crime documentary programs, 
Think it over, then draw your own conclusions. That is the end of the chapter called Evolution. These are very short chapters, and um, you may have noticed that there was a gap in the production of this podcast. Um, to be honest, reading the first parts of this book had a, had an impact on me, and I had to regroup myself and get out of the headspace of <laughs> how terrible the cataclysm is going to be. <clears throat> and in fact, it would keep me up at night sometimes. I would be rolling it over. Anyway, that's what happened. <clears throat> and now I'm back on track. Um, I do have a Patreon page. Um, this is uh, a hobby of mine, and uh, I would love to keep going so if you have time, if you like this, go to the Patreon, um, sign up there. I'll be doing some extra special readings and excerpts and sidebar extended commentaries um, for the Patreon subscribers. Um, so it will not be just to support the channel, but you'll get some extra goodies as well. Um, thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next time.